Are you ready to be the change you want to see in the world? Are you ready to make choices that have a positive impact on your daily life, your community, and the planet? You are in the right place. I'm Anne-Therese Gennari. And I'm Robin Shaw. And this is the Hate Change Podcast. Hi, everyone. We are so glad that you're here. This has been an incredible season for the Hey Change podcast, where we focused on optimism in action. We have learned so much from each of our guests. And in today's episode, we will be sharing some of the gems from our conversations in season three. I have personally learned so much from doing these interviews with you, Antrice, and I'm really excited for you, our listeners, to get some of the nuggets of wisdom that really stood out for us during our conversations. This episode is going to be packed with takeaways, so get your pen and paper ready and jot down any notes and insights and particular episodes that you might want to circle back to to hear in full. This is our season three finale episode, and we hope that you feel pumped up, energized, and optimistic after listening. Remember to share this episode with a friend as we will be stacking this episode with everything you need to be an optimist in action. So first off, Antrice, I am so grateful that you asked me to co-host this season with you. Um, not only have I learned so much from our guests, but I also learned a lot about the podcasting process, and I've gone through an incredible sort of self-development journey. So thank you so much for having me co-host season three with you. Oh, thanks, Robin. It's been so wonderful to have you. I keep telling everyone, like, I felt like podcasting just reached a new level having you on the show because it's so much more fun to do something with someone else and to have someone to share you know new episodes with and we can just piggyback off each other's uh, thoughts and ideas I just encourage everyone to if you have a project in mind to bring in a partner at some point because it just makes everything so much more fun so thank you for being here I'm I'm, I'm the one who's honored Oh, no, I'm the one who's honored. <laughs> yeah, right. thank you so much, babe. Yeah, I mean, so I definitely will say that um, working with you certainly speaks to the power of community and collaboration. And I guess that will lead us to our first episode of season three. Our first episode, we talked together about how you went from being an angry activist to finding the positive, optimistic lens through which you do your work. And one of the things that stood out for me was when you talked about how when we speak our truth, the people around us will see that. And you have no idea how speaking your truth can change other people's lives. In our first episode, I shared one of my favorite quotes by Marianne Williamson, Our Deepest Fear. She talks about how your playing small doesn't serve the world. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Mm. And to me, Antares, like you are a real world example of this for me. You doing you, speaking your truth out in the world is exactly how we connected. I remember you reached out to me on Instagram and in our first episode, episode 67, I talk about how the simple act of following you on Instagram changed my life. You know, this simple, tiny action of following you 
helped me to connect with you. I eventually joined Role Models Management, which is the world's first ethical modeling agency, which you co-founded with Val Emanuel. That led to me joining you in the Model Mafia, which is a self-organized group of models who are also activists. That led to us marching together in New York City during the 2019 global marches. I started to find my personal power in organizing and I helped create a rally at New York Fashion Week. I later co-produced a sustainable fashion show with Zero Waste Daniel um, and we worked with role models on that show. I hosted my first ever, ever uh, panel last year during Refashion Week in partnership with role models. I've completely changed how I live my life, opting for low waste and sustainable swaps. I've been learning about regenerative living. I've been working on making my inventory, uh, environmentalism more intersectional. And I've changed my own messaging on social media to reflect my values. So I'm much more vocal about what I'm doing. And here I am co-hosting this kick-ass podcast with you. All of this started just, I think, what was it now? Two or three years ago when we got connected on social media. And it's really amazing to me how such a small action can have a huge ripple effect because not only have I had the privilege of calling you a close friend, but seeing you speak your truth has really helped me to find my own voice in this work. So when anyone asks me, do our tiny actions really matter? I always say yes. Oh, Robin, first of all, thank you. Um, I love you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's been so incredible, as I've said before, to, to, to watch your journey and see everything you're doing. And I always say this, like you're born an activist. I feel like you've, it looks like you've been doing this your whole life. So to even know that I kickstart this, kickstarted this for you, it's, it's incredible to know. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. Like we tend to forget how powerful our individual actions are. And I would say the takeaway from episode 67, which is the first one of the season, is that yes, our individual actions matter. And you have no idea how many people you are inspiring by speaking your truth and living your values. So go to episode 67, Becoming an Optimist in Action, to hear Robert and me share our full stories of how we became the activists that we are today. Yes, definitely. So our next episode, in episode 68, we spoke with Cameron Russell. And I don't know how you felt about this, Andres, but going into it, I was nervous. Yeah. Cameron is, <laughs> yeah, she's a powerhouse. I mean, yeah. she's a supermodel. She's an incredible organizer. She founded the Model Mafia with Anya Rose Campbell. And even though I know her and I feel lucky to call her my friend, I was nervous and excited because she is incredible. And it was also my first interview. It was my first time going into this process as a co-host with you and like interviewing someone. So, hey, Change Podcast listeners, how'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> great. Yeah. Oh, thanks, babe. It was such a good experience and she was so welcoming and Cameron is humble and present. And I love this conversation. We learned a lot, I would say. Yeah. I, I loved how Cameron talks about how as soon as we see that everything we do is political and that all of our networks and our communities are sites of potential change and evolution where we get to build the world that we want then the political comes home and becomes personal. And I think that was so beautifully put. And like, you really start to see things for what they truly are and understand the power that we really have. And uh, she found that this was true for her in the fashion industry. Cameron wasn't expecting to find opportunities to create change within the fashion industry. She had originally, you know, had activism over here and then work over there. But she realized that we can help create positive change right where we are by working with those who are right next to us, no matter 
what industry you're in. So I agree so much with Cameron that finding optimism is a complex and daily challenge that we have to commit to and making commitments, whether it's around optimism and action, doing more equal swaps, changing where you bank, what you eat, how you travel, what you read, yada, yada, yada. Like having made commitments around your goals is something you can create, uh, refer back to, to help keep you accountable um, for what you are trying to do or create in the world. So one of the takeaways from this conversation that I love is how Cameron sees the role of optimism as being able to practice envisioning a better world and finding ways to pull that world closer. It reminds me of a quote that you use, Anne-Therese, about always leave room in your heart for the unexpected or the unimaginable. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite quote. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Quote. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's, we don't know what we're working for until we dare to go there in our hearts and minds, like what else is possible and how do we, you know, we need to keep visiting that different future, that unimaginable um, reality often so that we know that there is something else out there. And the more we do that, the more we come back to practicing whatever we can do right now, we are pulling that future closer. So yeah, I think Cameron, you know, has a very head on realistic way of looking at this. And I think she's an incredible example of like what being an optimist in action truly means. Definitely. I really liked how she talked about how Rebecca Burgess from Fibershed had once said to her that when she's making uh, personal commitments, it helps her to strengthen a muscle that's required to do the larger work. And it helped her work through failure and fuel joy and success because it was so intimate. I thought that was so powerful, that idea that one, it helps strengthen a muscle that's required to do the larger work. I have come back to that so many times, how the little individual actions fuel the larger work that we need to do. And it also, I love that idea of how it supports both the joy and success of when things happen. And it also fuels us to keep going when, you know, we, we hit a wall or we hit a barrier because the, the actions that we're taking are personal and intimate. So I would definitely say check out episode 68, Undressing Climate Change with Cameron Russell, because the full interview with her is fantastic. All right, Robin, let's talk about Bruce Lipton. <laughs> oh my gosh. How excited were we when we landed Bruce to come and be on the Hey Change podcast. Just a little insider here. I had reached out to his team, I think in December, and they were like, we can find you room in March. (laughs) So (laughs) we were just like beyond ourselves that we got, you know, a chance to sit down with him. He is hilarious. He's so funny. And he is obviously really passionate about what he do, what he does and how much he wants to help people change their lives and change the world. So yeah, I think you and I both were pretty amped up for this one. And we actually split Bruce's interview into two episodes because he did share so much incredible knowledge and insight that we wanted to make sure that we can really, you know, soak it all in. And in part one, Bruce lays the foundation for us to understand how the human brain develops between the age of zero and seven, which is essentially a period of programming, as he calls it. And then part two, Bruce shares the three keys to reprogramming your brain to create the life that you desire. So two very powerful episodes. Yeah, it was so incredible talking to him. And I still think about that conversation in so many ways. And I would say it's definitely worth listening to both episode 69 and episode 70 in full. 
But because this episode that you're listening to right now, my friends, is going to be packed with different takeaways and insights, one of the most powerful things that he shared with us, I want to tell you right now, and that is to reprogram your brain to live a life where you are creating your wishes and desires, you know, creating them into your reality. His recommendation is listen to positive affirmations while you sleep. And it might sound silly or simplistic, but it works. So my husband, Justin, and I started listening to the Insight Timer app. We found something called Happy Mind Meditation, and we've been listening to affirmations around abundance as well as health. And we noticed that after only a few nights of listening to positive affirmations while we were falling asleep, things started to move and shift and change in the right direction. Unexpected, you know, windfalls of money were showing up in our lives. And we were like, huh, abundance. Okay. (laughs) So um, that has been a really powerful tool that I still do that pretty much every night. I put on my headphones. I find affirmations that are in line with what my goals are and I'm reprogramming my, my brain at night. And Bruce talks about how when you're falling asleep is the prime time to be taking in those messages because of the types of brain waves that your brain is having at that time. And he, I'm not a scientist, but he can explain it much better than I can. So please go back and listen to that episode for the three t- uh, takeaways that you can do to reprogram your brain. But um, if you're going to start something right now tonight, it's to listen to those positive affirmations while you are falling asleep. Yeah. And I would also just kind of dovetail off that and say, it might sound so wishy-washy and like bullshit, <laughs> but it really isn't <laughs> because when you listen to Bruce, you, you start to understand the science behind it. And actually you're like, oh, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Like I can see this now, you know? And so, yeah, definitely go listen to both those episodes and also he talks a lot about, you know, how to apply this to the world and the shifts we want to see in the world. And so I think after listening to you, will have a much better understanding for how taking care of yourself and setting yourself up for success and happiness and abundance actually will, you know, multiply into creating the world that we want to see and, and pull closer. So it's a yeah, very powerful episode. I just leave it at that. One, um, <laughs> One little scavenger hunt gem that I want to leave for you, our listeners, is he says this phrase, what does chocolate taste like? And I'm just going to leave that there for you to find because what does chocolate taste like is a phrase that I keep coming back to and it helps me to see the big picture. It helps me connect with my understanding of divine energy and it helps me to appreciate the human experience and my day-to-day lived experience so much more. So I know you have no idea what I'm talking about if you have not listened to that episode already, but when you go and listen to Bruce's episodes, it will click. And I bet you anything, you too will walk around going, huh, what does chocolate taste like? And it will bring a smile to your face. So (laughs) please enjoy episode 69 and 70 and take in all the wisdom that Bruce shares with us on the Hate Change podcast. (sighs) Definitely. And while Bruce talks about how the chaos we see in the world is necessary as we let the old system break down and fall away in order to create new systems, in episode 71, we speak with Teju Adisa Farrar, about the power of envisioning a better world and how thinking beyond the current system is a form of resistance and activism. And I personally learned so much from this conversation with Tehu. She breaks down intersectionality and intersectional environmentalism, which 
And a very simple explanation for you today is that the way people experience their environment is predicted on the myriad of ways that people also experience different forms of oppression based on their race, sex, orientation, ability, and other aspects of their identity. So it's all intersectional. And she just breaks it down in a way where you you get it. Yeah, very, very helpful to have her explain that, especially if you're new to that um, term of intersectional environmentalism. I also really appreciate how she speaks about consumer democracy, um, which she, as she explains, it makes us feel like we have a lot of choices in the world. I know I think she used the example of like pasta sauce, like you have so many pasta sauces that you can choose, but those choices are often so superficial. The types of choices that we have are not systemic. And Therese, you talk about choice architecture. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so choice architecture um, means that we set up society or the world or anything really to make it easy for people to make the right choices. And um, there's a great example of that. I think it's in, in Germany. Let's, I think it's in Germany where if you die, <laughs> you automatically will donate your organs to science mm-hmm. or something. And don't quote me on this because I might be wrong, but, but it's just an example if you don't understand versus in America and the United States, you have to sign up to become a donor. So we usually have a shortage of, you know, donors here versus there, people just automatically have signed up from birth. And, you know, there are different opinions on that, obviously, but just, you know, showing you how if we create a system where it's easy to eat sustainably, it's easy to support local farmers, it's easy to, to you know, to not choose plastic because plastic is just not an option. You know, we can't just look to consumers to always having to go the extra mile to make the right choice. There is beauty in creating choices and choice architecture in a way that just enables people to live their life and the easiest most you know uh, accessible choice is actually the one that's good for people the planet health um, and everyone so yeah I think that's really how we need to start thinking about it and like not pointing fingers and not shaming each other or like feeling bad when we do the wrong thing because ultimately today most choices are really hard to make and it shouldn't be that way. Totally. And I think that, you know, someone who's newer to, you know, living more sustainably, living more regeneratively, um, I can say it at times feels really overwhelming with all the different kinds of quote unquote choices that we have to make about, you know, should I get the walnut sponge or the sponge made of this material? It's like all these like micro <laughs> walnut choices. Sponge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. So it's like, it it can be a lot, especially if you're newer to the environmental movement. Um, But to, to have conversations around setting up systems that make everyone's lives easier, as well as supporting the planet through this transition so that we move away from climate change. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the other things that I loved how Teju talks about is how the revolution is not one moment how it takes all of us, generation after generation, stretching our imaginations and that each person has their own path. So, you know, we can find out what our own lane is. We don't have to do it all. And I found that really comforting. But at the same time, we do need to keep using our imagination to dream up the world that we want to live in and do what we can do to help create that world. I was also blown away by the incredibly simple and yet profound insight we are part of the environment. This like blew my mind. I had to stop her and have her say it again, even though it is the simplest sentence, we are part of the environment. I've always thought of, 
nature over there on the outside and then us over here, you know, humans inside our homes, inside our buildings, separate from nature. And I go into nature and then I leave nature when I Mm. go home. It completely changed how I think about how humans move through the world and that we are essentially the human animal. We have elaborate systems and customs, but ultimately we are another animal in the world and we are part of the environment. I'm just going to keep saying it because I still <laughs> find it so profound. And it, it really, it shifted my perspective on what we need. Like on a personal level, I really started to look at how many things I have and how all of these things are sort of promised to bring more happiness. You know, the way that we advertise things in our world is this promise of happiness through accumulation. And since this conversation with Teju in episode 71, I've really been on a mission to, to give away, to sell, you know, to really downsize a lot of the stuff that we have. And I recognize that I have a lot of privilege but for anybody who is listening, I would absolutely invite you to have that question. What do you really need? What is it that actually brings joy and happiness in a meaningful way? And Teju just has some incredible insights. So check out episode 71 for the full conversation. Also, I can just, you know, <laughs> that's true. I've been trying to reach Robin sometimes the past few weeks. And he's like, I'm busy getting stuff out of my, out of my house. <laughs> She's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, sorry, I haven't been responding to your text. I'm just like over here selling stuff and getting rid of those stuff and downsizing. I'm like, oh yeah, she's, she's on, she's on a mission. <laughs> we so. are absolutely on a mission. Yeah. Cause I mean, Teju talks about how, like, what do you really need? You need food, you need shelter and you need community. So all of these extra things, they're extra. And how much of it do we really need? Like I look at like, do I really need a potato masher or can I just use a fork? Like just little things like that for me is like, what can I downsize so that I just have just what I need and not so much that I feel, I don't know. Like I was definitely feeling like there was a lot of stuff and clutter and especially having a young child, we've accumulated so much stuff for him. Oh my gosh. And stuff is energy. I felt that, I mean, I moved from Sweden to the United States before I moved here. I had a full apartment with everything you can ever need for a kitchen. Um, I was early on on that (laughs) journey. I'm like, I need everything. I need to be able to bake and make pies and all these things. And so obviously I had to just let things go and take whatever I could fit in the suitcase and as we've, you know, went on, my husband and I, we have accumulated some more stuff, but also try to keep it simple because we have been moving around and it's like, it's pretty freeing to not have a lot of shit, <laughs> especially mm-hmm. when you move. It's like, yeah, this is it. Like we have a set of forks and that's, you know, it's like, and I understand like stuff is also fun. Like I'm not saying don't have stuff, but I think there's something to be said about trying the minimalistic lifestyle and learning and realizing that, wow, you actually create space for life when you start to take away stuff, it's like something else gets to seep through. That's Mm -hmm. so much more meaning. And it's beautiful. It reminds me of the no new clothes challenge that remake does every summer, because we're Mm -hmm. in the middle of it right now during this recording. And it's a 90 days, no new clothes challenge. And one of the things that I realized is that when you're not looking at accumulating more clothes, it gives you this opportunity to be more creative with what you have. And I'm coming up with all kinds of cute new outfits that I didn't realize were possible just from simply looking at, okay, this is all I have to work with. It's a fun challenge. Um, But it also really impacts what our contribution is to waste. So looking at how we can 
really use and love what we have and maximize what we already have and be really critical about what new things come into our home. Yeah. And continuing on that idea of taking a hard look at our relationship with the stuff in our lives, I would say that we live in a culture that reinforces this idea that the accumulation of stuff equals happiness and success. And I know a lot of women who have, you know, what might be called an addiction to shopping. I've been there, mm -hmm. so I totally get it. And yeah. our relationship with clothes is complicated because it, this is an item that we use to present, you know, who we are in the world. And it's something we usually know very little about. The next two episodes of season three take a look at who makes our clothes, the human rights issues garments workers face, and what we as individuals can do about the fashion industry. And what stood out for me in episode 72 and our conversation with Aisha Barenblatt from Remake is how she encourages us to recast ourselves from consumers to citizens. And we need to be thoughtful citizens in the world because it goes so much farther beyond simply buying better. The fashion industry has a history of oppressing women from the garment worker, majority of them are women, to even the model on the other end, um, modeling the clothes and putting them out there. So there is so much oppression going on in this industry and we are buying into that unknowingly almost every single day, at least every time we shop. And the issues in the fashion industry include gender-based violence and human rights abuses, as well as practices that contribute to climate change and soil de de degradation and toxic rivers and all sorts of nasty things. And these issues concern everyone who wears clothes. And I think something that I keep encountering as I talk about the fashion industry with people is like, well, I don't, I'm not in fashion. Like I don't care about fashion, but we all get dressed, right? <laughs> so we do. And so we are all part of technically the problem, but it also means that we can all be part of the solution and we can help push for a better fashion industry and world. Absolutely. And I think for anybody who wears clothes, I mean, that's the thing about these episodes is I thought, you know, are people only going to be interested in these episodes if they're interested in the fashion industry per se, but this really is so important for everyone who wears clothes. So unless you're in a nudist colony and power to you, <laughs> this is your issue too. Um, and some of the takeaways from this conversation can help you to maybe tune up how you have your relationship with your clothes and your wardrobe so that you can be contributing less to climate change and supporting garment workers and just being um, just more aware about what the issues are within the fashion industry and how we as individuals can help. So one of the important things that we can do is wear each item of clothing 30 times. And that's such a great reminder. Anytime I'm considering bringing a new item in is, am I going to get 30 wears out of this, you know, maybe very like stylistic or trendy piece? If the answers know that it's either A, going to fall apart because it's so cheaply made or B, it's so trendy that I'm really only going to wear it a few times. It doesn't make sense in my life. Mm -hmm. That answers the question for me. So what you have, your existing pieces is wear each item of clothing 30 times. Another thing you can do is shop secondhand, shop ethical and shop sustainable. So that means looking at the brands that you like and pressuring them, but also seeking out brands that are in line with your values. I mean, one of the things that remake one of their like slogans is wear your values. And so if you are someone who cares about people on the planet, it's great to do your own research and find the brands that really are in line with what is important to you. I would just jump in there and say, I know this can feel overwhelming because 
so far compared to let's say the food industry it is pretty hard to like find all these values and it's hard to like you know is, is this greenwashing or do we actually stand behind these things and like what should i care about so i would just start simple shopping secondhand is a very safe way to go because you're buying something already out there uh, but then also check out remakes um brand directory on their website because they have really vetted the brands and you can get to know them better and like have a better understanding for which ones to support um, and which ones to probably avoid. So, but just saying, I was give yourself a break because this is a journey and you'll learn more and more and more, but take it one step at a time. Totally. And that's where it comes down to like doing what you can. So some of it might be overwhelming or you might hear it and be like, wow, I'm super gung ho. You know, I'm down here like taking my notes and I want to do these things. Or you may go, whew, this is a lot. I'm just going to take the simple action of like, okay, I can, I can do secondhand. Mm-hmm. Or I can just stop shopping right now and start re-wearing what I have 30 times. So yeah, finding the things that you can do and also giving yourself grace that you do not have to do this perfectly. One of the things that I've actually heard Aisha say is, this is not going to take a few of us doing this perfectly. It's going to take all of us doing this imperfectly. Mm-hmm. So definitely give yourself a break, but also, you know, like just keep going like one step at a time. Um, one of the other things that she talks about is so remake has a lot of assets that you can share on social media. So if you use your social media to speak about your values, use that as a platform to hold brands accountable, you know, tag them in the content that you share, find more content that remake is sharing with us so that, you know, you can really amplify the things that are important to you in terms of having ethical practices within the fashion industry as well as more sustainable options. And Remake is a great resource for you to, to check out if social media is a platform that you like to use for that. And the last thing I'll say too is to support political candidates who care about these issues. So in California, Senate Bill 62 is uh, you know in process of being considered. So um, we talk more about that in episode 73 with Yeni and Nayantara. But um, having political candidates who understand the issues and actually give a damn um, support those candidates. Yeah. And I was shocked when I learned that the equivalent of one garbage truck full of clothes is burned or put into the landfill every second. I honestly had no idea that garment workers around the U.S. were also so vulnerable because there are not enough regulations to protect them. And that leads us into episode 73 with Yeni and Nayantara. Um, It really continues this conversation about creating a more ethical fashion industry. Yeni Dewey is a garment worker in LA and Nayantara Banerjee serves full-time in industry research and strategic partnerships for the Garment Worker Center in LA. Yeah, this is a great opportunity for you to hear firsthand what the experiences of a garment worker in LA are like. And some of the takeaways that you need to know are that, first of all, we are still using a piece rate system, meaning that garment workers are paid a few cents for each seam they sew instead of an hourly wage. And this system takes advantage of garment workers and factory owners can pressure workers to complete an unrealistic amount of pieces per hour while being judged on the quality of work they perform. So they have no rights and they have a lot of stress and like very little pay. And California could be a leader in ethical manufacturing if we make some important adjustments. So Senate Bill 62 would close some of those loopholes that take advantage of garment workers. So check out remake.world and sign the petition first of all and help 
apply more pressure to the politicians to hold the power to pass this important bill in California. It might seem like just a simple bill, but really it could be transformational for so many lives inside this country in LA. Um, and if you listen to this conversation, you really get to understand what someone like Yeni is going through every single day. Absolutely. And it was so powerful to learn about how when clothing is made in the US, it doesn't actually mean that the garment workers are in fair and equitable situations. So it's really a powerful conversation. And one of the things that I loved, Yeni shared this gem with us. She shares a story that her dad told her. And the gist of it is it takes many strikes to break a rock. And I love that as a metaphor for anything that you're doing that's tough, whether it's activism or trying to make positive changes in government, you know, in your workplace, in your community. It's important to try and it's important to try again and to keep trying and keep going because the changes we want to create in the world are possible, but sometimes it does require us to be incredibly resilient and to keep going. Yeah, that was such an important reminder for me too. It's like, we don't always see the results right away. We have yeah. to keep going. And that's also why I think it's so important to have community so we can support one another and remind each other of just that. Um, and also find the strength and the optimism to keep going. And I would also say, I mean, added to that, or like keep trying, like also just do try. Uh, reach out to people, connect with people. That's actually how I got connected with Tom Foolery, our next guest. I had seen his incredible video on Instagram. He posted it in the early days of COVID and it went viral right away. Like big celebrities started sharing his video. I saw it, I think the first time on Drew Barrymore's Instagram. Mm-hmm. And as I watched this, in, this video, I was like, wow, something just connected with me deep in my heart. And although the, the message was so simple, it just spoke the truth. And I think that's how many people from around the world felt about this video. Uh, it's called The Great Realization. And it really, it's about, you know, like it's, it's, it's taking place in the future. And we're looking back at 2020 and this pandemic. And this dad is reading a story um, or dad, someone's reading a story for kids and basically just telling, you know, what happened, what, like, what went down this year. And the great realization that people had in the story is like, wow, there are different ways of doing things. And thank God we got this break from, from the busy world so that we can tap into and remember what we really are here to do. So I think it's, it's a beautiful video. And when I reached out to Tom and said, I love your video. I would love to have you on my podcast. Are you up for it? And he said, yeah, why not? Like, I'd love to be in your podcast. So I'm just saying too, like, you never know when you reach out when, like, what that will lead to. And in our case, it led to a really fun, engaging, light and optimistic conversation with um, Tom, who is the, the creator of this film. Yeah, he know, he's known as Tom Foolery and agreed. I mean, episode 74 with Tom is very inspiring. Um, one of the things that stuck out for me was his perspective that artists, poets, and creatives play an important role in our culture to lift us up in dark times and make meaning in the chaos. He talks about how when the pandemic hit, he wanted to see government officials calling on the artists of our world to say something like, we need you now more than ever. And I had never thought of it this way. I've never... I mean, I consider myself an artist and I've always thought of it as something that is 
creating beauty and truth, but I didn't realize that it's actually a very important and powerful role that artists and creatives play in our culture to help to lift the mood in dark times, to bring hope when there's challenges and to reflect the truth and beauty in situations that are messy and complicated. Yeah, I think something that shifted for me in this conversation with, he's actually called, I think he calls himself probably Tom Foolery. That's his Yes, he does. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with Tom, which is his actual name, um, was that I think I was just re- retruthing my word retruthing but you we I was retruthing my idea of a leader you know like we have a certain idea like what a leader looks like but ultimately all of us can be leaders and leaders are needed in so many different aspects of life and in the world and part of being a leader is using your platform and your art and your voice in whatever way that looks like to inspire others and create change and in these challenging times I think what he said like we need you now more than ever and that doesn't have to be that you're this famous artist. It can just be that you have something to say. Um, and I think we have found a lot of resilience and hope in the art um, this past year. We may have not paid attention to it, but I think actually it's had, it's had a huge role to play. And as we kind of like found our way through all the grief and confusion and pain uh, and whatever we've been through um, this past year and beyond. So yeah, a key takeaway from this episode is as we now know from my episode with Teju, that imagining a better world is revolutionary and an act of resistance. And from Tom, we learned that artists, poets, and creative play an important role to provide hope, make meaning out of the chaos, and help us collectively imagine and build a better world. Yes, definitely. And it's it was such a powerful realization for me. So that was, in a way, like my great realization. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so in the next episode, episode 75, we speak with Dr. Julie Pullen about what is happening in our world right now when it comes to climate change and what we are seeing specifically in our oceans. Dr. Julie is an oceanographer with a background in complex systems. And this is a great episode for anyone who wants to learn more about the big picture of what a warming climate means both for people, but also for industries. I was really interested to learn about how tech is being used to understand and predict the effects of climate change and how that will impact industries as well as people's well-being. She talks about using a digital twin, which I thought was such a cool concept. I was really fascinated to learn about this. And this digital twin is used in a way that they can play out different scenarios to better understand and prepare for a whole range of circumstances that we might face. Being able to predict what we may be facing as we continue or change the trajectory that we're on, um, as we transition from fossil fuels to renewables, there will be stranded assets. That's one thing that I hadn't considered is there will be stranded assets as we make these transitions. And I was just so fascinated about how tech is being used to help us to prepare for what may come. Yeah, she's such a brilliant person. And some of the key takeaways from this episode is that we need to connect the everyday person with the science and, and that we need more people bridging the gap between what science is saying and us in our day-to-day -day lives. I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, so, so important. Also that we can't look at climate change through a single lens. We have to be inclusive and understand that this is a very complex issue. So we have to apply complex 
thinking um, and continue to be, I think like not to set on like, this is the goal, this is what we're doing, but like just come, come back to the drawing board. Like, is this working? Like, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? How can we do even better? And I think for me, and I keep coming back to this, so like, what can we do better? Like we can't be perfect right away, but we can always come back to say, what can we do better? And then also that women are incredibly powerful as change makers. I mean, Julie co-founded Women Power Our Planet, which is harnessing women's financial powers as a force for change by educating women about the importance of switching banks. So simple, so powerful. I love it. Um, you and I both do. And also, you know, do you know what your bank is investing in? Because most people don't know this. When you put money in a bank, it doesn't just sit there. It goes out and funds things. And I think nine, every nine out of $10 in a bank is actually out funding other projects. So if you don't know what your bank is funding, you might, your money might very well be out there funding fossil fuel projects. And there are some really good reports on this. Um, it's put together by the Rainforest Action Network together with many other partners and organizations. And so they just really go in and look under the lens of every single bank and what they're investing into. And so we have power as people just putting our money in a bank and we can choose banks that are supporting regenerative, sustainable, women-owned, um, you know, indigenous, like different different projects that are ultimately changing the world for the better and not continuing to, to fuel climate change. So yeah, you have power in your money and choose your bank wisely. Definitely. And there's tons of resources on the website for Women Power Our Planet. So that would be great to check out. And I also enjoyed, so there was a complicated term that Julie talked about, which I'm going to take a crack at. She says that there are in complex systems, there is a term emergent properties. And it's the idea that the whole is more than the sum of its parts. And I would say definitely go back to episode 75 and listen to Dr. Julie Pullen talk about this because I may not <laughs> give this the best explanation. But my understanding is that when you're looking at an issue as big as climate change and you're trying to consider it from all of these different angles and you have all of these you know, channels or, or ways to gather information, even when you have all of these parts, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts is such an apt explanation for this, I think, because mm. the, the, the challenge is so much bigger than that. And the solutions may also be much bigger and larger reaching than just taking these small pieces. So definitely go back and listen to the episode because she explains it more eloquently than I do, but she is incredibly knowledgeable and also really inspiring to listen to. So in episode 76, we had the honor of speaking with Mari Malik. She is a South Sudanese refugee turned model, actress, and entrepreneur. Mari tells us her story about how she abruptly fled South Sudan with her mom, and she eventually made her way to New York City and created a life that she loves. So episode 76 is so inspiring because... Mari faced incredible hardship and yet all along the way she maintained such a positive attitude I think that you will be so blown away by her story and her resiliency yeah some of the gems that Mari shared with us uh, and check out these quotes from our conversation they are that you can't expect change to happen if you're not part of it love that yeah when I hear that I just feel like yeah, of course, like, obviously, right? It's like, and I think also more so than that, like there's a depth to that quote that doesn't maybe come through until you really spin it. And it's like, 
you can't change, expect change to happen if you're not part of it, but also you can't feel the change if you're not part of it, right? It's like the change in itself fuels more change in a way. It's like a chain reaction. Yeah. And it's so like it, like you said, it's like when you hear it, you're like, well, of course, like it makes so much sense. But at the same time, I think it's something that we forget. Like we think of change as happening as out there, Mm -hmm. but it has to happen in here. Yeah. I mean, the biggest activism I always say happens in our homes and hearts, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not in boardrooms or, you know, human meetings or in the streets when we're marching with signs, like that's a way of outward activism but really like we are the system like we keep saying Mm -hmm. we need systemic change we are the system like we are the people who make up this world and so if you want change to happen it starts on the inside and that's something that's first of all very empowering because we can start that change today Mm -hmm. and it's also scary because when you turn the mirror and look at yourself it's like wow what can I do (laughs) right but like (laughs) but then you start doing those things you're like well I can be part of the change I am the change I can feel more change. And just in me being the change, I'm actually inspiring people around me to be the change as well. And that's Mm -hmm. when it starts to become a really beautiful journey. So yeah, I love that quote. It's simple and great. Yeah. And it comes back to our first conversation about how when you are speaking your truth, you don't know how many people you're inspiring. So when you are um, being part of the change, then you are inspiring other people to join in that process and you are helping them to not expect change to just happen out there while the government will take care of it or, you know, companies will take care of it, that you have so much power as an individual. Exactly. She also says, don't be afraid to ask for what you really want. And I think she says this with like a spark in her eye, but I think (laughs) it's so important because we, I think especially women, we're so afraid of like, what do you really want? Like, I, I find myself doing this all the time. Like, oh, that would be my dream or that would be awesome. And people come back to me like, really? I wouldn't expect that. I'm like, well, my actual dream would be this. And I'm like, why is it so hard for me to just say out loud what I want to do? Like, mm. why is it so hard to ask for what I believe in? And that could be, you know, personal things, but also for the world. Like, this is what I want. And it might feel, you might feel resistance at first because you're like, well, that's not true. Like, that's too much to ask for. But that comes back to my quote, keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable because we have no idea what the future holds. And we need to start daring to ask for those things and be vocal about it too. It's like, no, this is the world I want. I want to see this world and I'm working for it. And I think the more we keep saying it out loud, people around us are going to feel more comfortable saying 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 it out loud too. And again, back to the ripple effect. I think, yeah, saying what, like ask what you want, say it, you know, don't be afraid and ashamed of that. I think that's really brilliant. And also as a model actress and DJ, she advises to use your platform. Don't let your platform use you. Which is, yeah, that's a good reminder of like, because I've definitely been there of feeling kind of addicted to my phone and addicted to checking social media and feeling like I need to be a certain way. And it's like, oof, girl, let all that go. Use your platform the way you want to. And then, and then it's like, there's a saying in my family has like, do your best, leave the rest, Mm -hmm. let it go. So don't let your platform use you. Yeah. And that kind of goes into her mantra that she says to herself, which is, I am in alignment with all that helps me grow. And she's someone who's been on such a growth journey and continues to hit, you know, one thing after the other and listen to a story and you'll understand. And yet she's like, I am in alignment with all that helps me grow. And the woman has come out of the other end of this. It's not someone who's broken from all her past she's so empowered and she's so inspiring and she has such a full heart and she's making such a big change in the world. And I think it's just, 
a reminder of like coming back to gratitude and trusting and doing what we can and being in alignment and choosing growth over anything else. Um, and even you know, in the hard times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then um, that leads us into another inspiring and very empowering episode, which is number 77 with Val Emanuel. And I know Val obviously through my role models management agency. I, um, most people have maybe heard of this by now, especially if you've been to the podcast for a while, but I actually connected with Val just over a phone call. We were introduced to each other via a common friend. We had a similar idea about an ethical agency and we had never met in real life. We were just, you know, young and wild and crazy, <laughs> whatever, <laughs> we had this idea that we wanted to make happen. And we said, what do we have to lose? So we started the agency having never met. We booked our first client having never met and we realized maybe we should actually meet a real person. So um, that's the story, how it goes. I went to stay with her for 10 days. Um, I was terrified because I'm like, what if I don't like this person <laughs> and I'm running a business with her? <laughs> but she's been like a sister for me ever since. It's kind of crazy, you know, how well we go together and she's my absolute opposite. But yeah, we had her on and um, Val was sharing a lot of her stories and some of the things that she's been through the past year and what she's going through actively and choosing to go through to empower herself and to also be on this continuous journey of growth. Definitely. I was so, I love talking to Val because she just brings so much compassion with her insights. Um, one of the things that she said was the only thing you can do is work on yourself. It's the inner work that's going to make me feel like I belong here. And I love this so much because I've definitely been a person who seeks validation from the outer world, from my peers, from my family, from, you know, trying to you know, do good work in the world. And it is so powerful to take a pause, to go back into myself and really work on myself and my own understanding and deep confidence in my own worthiness. Mm. And that's where my sense of belonging is going to come from. Um, so that was really profound for me. Another thing that she says, which I think is so true, is she talks about, I think more people just need to be outspoken. <laughs> and this goes back to that, you know, simple, not necessarily easy, but definitely simple thing of speaking your truth. When you have something to share with the world, the world needs to hear it. So her saying, I think more people just need to be outspoken. That's you. If you're listening to this, it's no accident that you're hearing this and this is connecting with you right now. And you know that you have something to give to the world that the world needs to hear. Yeah. And I always actually, I tend to always think to myself, everyone needs a Val in their life because yeah. ever since I got to know her, like she has changed my life in so many different ways and continues to do so. Like it was just recently where I was in LA and we were supposed to go to this thing and I just did not feel like it because I was tired. And I, I tried to just say in different words, like, are you sure we should go? It's a long drive and all these things. And she's like, if you don't want to go, just let me know. <laughs> and it's so simple. And I'm like, why don't I just say to her that I don't feel like going, you know? And she's like, I'm worried about you sometimes. Just say what you want, like speak up. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, okay, I don't want to go. She's like, okay, I'm going by myself. So like, <laughs> you know, it's just, and not everyone is like that. But I, what I love about her is like, she is someone who's very outspoken and she truly believes in that. And I think she's right. Like we need to be more daring and just being more outspoken and say, you know, what's on your heart, say it. Yeah. She really leads the way for us in terms of being direct and honest and speaking your truth, 
speaking what is true for you in those, you know, the small actions in terms of like, whether or not you're prepared to spend your time and energy on something that your, your heart, your intuition is just telling you, this is not what I need to be doing right now with my time, you know, or, for, you know, for the, the bigger issues of, you know, I want to be more outspoken about the things that I care about, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, have to have conversations with my family, whatever it is. Um, that, that we have incredible power when we take what's in our mind and we speak it into the world. Um, another thing that she talked about is we got to step back and solve the problem with our new self. And that's the idea that you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. And she's so good at really looking at how you can evolve as a person I just get this sense that she's done a lot of work on herself and she seems really good at evaluating where she's at and being able to pull back and see things from a bigger picture before moving forward. And I love that idea of like taking a step back before you take a step forward. Mm-hmm. It's like that, what's it called? Bow and the arrow, you know, like sometimes mm-hmm. you got to pull back before mm-hmm. you can launch forward. Yeah, definitely. And if you're someone that likes mantras, I've heard her say this a, a few times. She was um, sharing this in uh, one of the talks that we had at Role Models when you guys had an event. Um, but she also shared this with us on the podcast, which is, this is one of her personal mantras, which we'll share with you. Every day and every way, I'm better and better in God's grace. Mm. I love that one. Yeah. It's, just, it's deep and simple, you know? Mm-hmm. Every day in every way and better and better in God's grace. So we then had episode 78 where I got to do a solar interview with Kendall Starkman, the director of Next Wave Plastics, about her work with the consortium of companies convened by the award-winning nonprofit Lonely Whale. It was such a great experience to have that opportunity to do a solo interview. So thank you, Anne-Therese, for that sort of surprise (laughs) opportunity. You weren't available that day. I think you had a medical appointment that you had to go to. Um, But I had this wonderful conversation with Kendall. And for you, you listened to it the first time while you were editing the episode. So what stood out for you? Well, I mean, so many things. But a few things that I took with me was... First of all, how Next Wave's work gives hope for how plastic can stay circulating in the economy instead of ending up in our oceans. I think that's something we keep saying we need to end plastic, but like how can we actually keep them just circulating instead of, you know, creating waste? I think that was revolutionary in many ways. Also, how we used to dream of a world without plastic, and now we dream of a world where plastic is used efficiently and endlessly where nothing goes to waste. So like, I think that just like flips everything, you know, like, okay, there are solutions here and we need to start looking at the solutions um, more than just continue to rant about how, how bad plastic is. I mean, obviously we have to also do that, but I think that was just something that stood out for me. And then also mm-hmm. the simple idea that if we have an overflow of something, we have to begin by turning off the tap first. And I think one of the analogies that she uses is like, if there is a bathtub flowing over with water, you're not going to pick up a spoon and start trying to get it all, all out. You'll first go and turn off the tap, right? Like that's at least the first thing you do. And it's so simple, but like when you think about the world, like, yes, of course we have to go and clean up the beaches and like pick up the plastic, but like we got to also start where the flow of plastic begins. And that's really what the mission with Lonely Whale is, is to stop that flow um, to make sure that we are creating a more plastic-free world and for whatever plastic that already does exist in the system, because there is a ton, how can we make that circulate and stay in the economy instead of ending up in our oceans? 
Yeah. And at the beginning of episode 78 with, with Kendall and Lonely Whale, one of the things that we talk about is, I forget what the numbers are right now, but it is so interesting. And also it's like mind blowing how many tons of plastic are currently in the ocean and how many tons of plastic are being produced, you know, as new plastic year after year. And so that's where she was talking about that in terms of turning the tap off of plastic production that we have this incredible, I mean, plastic, it was revolutionary for me as well. That idea that like plastic free versus using plastic really well, you know, Mm -hmm. those, those kind of two ways of looking at how plastic can exist in our world. Um, But that plastic is an incredible asset and it certainly has very practical applications in our world, but we don't need to necessarily be making new plastic. We have a ton of plastic, yeah. millions of tons of plastic, in fact, and that um, there are some really incredible and innovative things happening where uh, ocean-bound plastic is being used. So in communities that are um, near different bodies of water, primarily oceans, where those communities are um, being engaged with to help divert plastic that would otherwise end up in the ocean to go into uh, products that require plastic, as well as initiatives that are cleaning up plastic in the ocean. So the episode with Kendall in number 78 is very interesting. And it's also inspiring because it will give you some insights of what are some of the good things that are happening out there. Yeah, it's like one of the first times I've heard anything positive from the plastic conversation. Yes, <laughs> um, totally. But from there, we do actually dive even deeper. And, you know, you kind of mentioned this, but plastic is everywhere. And we learned this from our microplastic expert, Madeline McGillivray. She actually will share, if you listen to the episode, that there is no single body of anything, like a body of a human, a body of water, a body of, you know, there is no part of the earth, technically, where microplastics do not exist. And from the positive to the really scary part, <laughs> like that's terrifying. Um, so if you want to learn more about what microplastics are, you know, how they come about, how they spread so much, definitely check out episode 79 with Madeline McGillivray. Yeah. And it is, you know, I will say sometimes it's tough to hear the, the facts about what's going on, but it is so helpful to lean in and listen and learn about what is going on, you know, in this particular topic, microplastics and how they are everywhere. But it's also a great episode because there are some takeaways that I will share some of them with you now about what we can do to help. So Mm -hmm. one of the things that we talked about is recycling. On the one hand, recycling does not solve the problem, but recycling is absolutely a worthy effort. So as individuals, it is one of the things that we can do to help especially if we are recycling well and properly. So one of the things that I learned from Madeline is that food residue renders recyclable um, plastics unusable. So wash your recycling like it's one of the dishes. I thought that was like such a, it's like, it's a kind of funny thing to do at first, but now my whole family knows to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm very hopeful that what that means is that the batches of plastic recycling that are processed that are coming from my family, they're just that much more likely to actually be able to be used and turned into something new. And also if you don't wash out your plastic and then throw that in a recycling, you technically ruin the whole batch for everyone else. Yeah. So yeah, do it yeah, right. It's, <laughs> exactly. And it's good to know. And I think it's really tough in the moment. I will say when you're standing there and you have a container, maybe it's one of the like more cardboard style containers and it's covered in sauce and it's just really not going to come out. It's painful to just flow, uh, throw it away. If you're the kind of person who would really want to recycle everything. 
But it's really good to know that if you have a, a plastic container or any kind of recyclable container that is going to be near impossible to get food residue out of, it's probably better to throw it away than to um, contaminate a whole batch of really well washed out um, containers that are going into the recycling. So to make those tough choices at home rather than you know, pushing those choices off to the sorting facilities where they have to deal with, you know, um, pasta sauce containers that have exploded and have glass and pasta sauce all over the place. That's going to have a much larger impact down the road. So make those decisions in your home. Uh, Madeline also talks about reusing plastic containers because they are incredibly durable and long lasting. So use them. And I've found that really helpful rather than thinking about buying new containers. I haven't bought new containers now, probably since I met you, Andrees. I feel like you've been <laughs> <Good>. a major <laughs> help in that, that area. Um, my husband can attest to how much I love my glass jar collection. But even with plastic containers as well, they're so durable and they're great for holding things like toys. I've used, you know, um, protein powder containers to hold art supplies and things. So get creative with how you reuse your plastic containers that are coming through your home. Um, we also looked at two major areas when reducing waste. So you can categorize it in your mind. If you are trying to make positive changes on a personal level, look at what you put in your body and look at what you put on your body. And what Madeline found is that kind of putting things into categories helps you to make those changes, you know, one at a time as they come up, when a product runs out, opt for something more sustainable. And that's an easy way to do those sustainable swaps. And you can categorize it in terms of what's in your body with the food that you eat and what's on your body, lotion, makeup, shampoo, et cetera. She also talks about, you know, we need to opt for what's financially available. So when possible, buy in bulk, buy from a refillery. I have a fantastic refillery in the next town over. Um, so I am, um, you know, privileged to be able to drive over to this town and take my empty bottles and refill them at the refillery. Um, sometimes that's not as possible for folks, depending on where they live or, you know, what their um, finances look like, but just do, do what you can where you can. And when possible, opt for containers that are more attractive to use over and over again and are easily recyclable. So that's for me, um, my peanut butter option is always in a glass jar because I freaking love the glass jars that <laughs> peanut butter comes in. So I have like a million of them and I use them all the time. And um, the last thing that she suggests is just take it one step at a time. You don't need to do it all at once, but when you do make these little swaps, again, it, it goes back to what we learned in Cameron's episode. It's these small actions that flex the muscle that's required for the bigger work. Yeah, and one thing too I will add, because most people don't know this, but microplastics and plastics are really tied to the fashion industry um, and oil industry, like really goes into all kind of activism, but plastics are made from oil and so are a lot of fashion. So anything polyester and synthetic material is actually made from oil. And so they create microplastics when you wash them. So if you are someone with any synthetic materials in your wardrobe, which is technically everyone, because it's just such a big part of our fashion today, be more mindful how often you wash your clothes. And also you can get what's called like a guffy bag. So you put your clothes in the bag and the bag will, I don't know how many, how much, but it will filter a lot of your microplastics. So it doesn't end up in the water, then goes, then goes into the water, um, the groundwater and stuff. I think, yeah, I think it was 80 to 90%. I remember because I got my guppy bag last year and I remember reading that, that it's not all, but it, it significantly reduces yeah. the amount of microplastics that go into your water systems. Yeah. 
So yeah, yeah, there's just some ways that we can be more mindful. And as we continue to support things, uh, organizations like Lonely Whale and others out there that are trying to turn up the tap of ocean plastic. So make sure they don't, like they are turning off the tap for the big industries, but we can also do our part in, at home, being more mindful. And again, it's a journey. Don't do it all at once, but it is empowering. So as you keep going about this, you're going to find that it's actually, you know, ask Robin, right? More yeah. fun and more empowering. And you start to learn so many things about yourself in the world. So look at it from a fun lens, like have fun with it, challenge yourself and inspire others to do the same. And yeah, start a new world from your home. So our last interview of season three, we had with Kiani Conley-Wilson from Soul Fire Farm. Soul Fire Farm is an Afro-Indigenous centered community farm committed to uprooting racism and seeding sovereignty in the food system. What stood out for me in this conversation is that here I was imagining regenerative farmers and I was honestly imagining white folks. I was so happy to learn from Kiani about how the roots of regenerative agriculture, organic farming, and the farm to table movement grew from the work of black farmers. She mentions Dr. Booker T. Watley and Dr. George Washington Carver. And I think it is so important for us as we are on this journey to try to be more sustainable, be more ethical in our lives, to not whitewash the experience and the knowledge that we are drawing from to, you know, as we are learning and making changes in our lives, it's so important to have a broad view of how these movements came to be. And I think often, unfortunately, I think a lot of things get whitewashed in our world. And I was certainly um, surprised. I didn't know that Black farmers played such an integral role in organic farming and the farm to table movement and regenerative agriculture. So this is a really great episode for making your environmentalism, your sustainability more intersectional. She also talked about how Black farmers today are highly underrepresented in farming and farm ownership. While the Black population of the U.S. is approximately 13.4%, Black farmers represent 1.3% of farmers across the U.S., it is so important that we look at how our food system in North America is built upon land theft, the exploitation of black and brown labor, and at the same time, black and brown communities are disproportionately affected by food apartheid and the damaging effects of climate change. Some of our key takeaways from this episode is that we need to learn more about black and brown farmers who are often way too often overlooked. And Kiani suggests the book Farming Wild Black by Leah Penningman, so check that one out. Also to connect to local CSAs, and a CSA is technically you uh, sign up for a farm and you get a box, most I think in the summertime every week, and you just you know show up and you grab whatever is available that week. So it's very good to also be more creative in the kitchen because you get to cook to, with whatever is offered to you that week. And it's a really good way to support the farmers in your local area, so I highly recommend that. Also, get your hands dirty and reconnect with the soil and our lands. It, there is something to be said about trying out growing your own food, even if it's just a one tomato plant or just some herbs in your kitchen, because as we start to understand how we are part of life and how we can be part of life, you start to, to grow more respect for farmers, but also, you know, it is such a healing process of, of connecting with nature. And again, what we talked about with tissue that we are nature. So yeah, get your hands dirty when you get a chance. And I will just add to that, that as somebody who has failed at growing food multiple times now, 
wow, does it increase my appreciation for the amazing food that I'm able to get when I <laughs> try to grow my own tomatoes. I finally had some success this year. I have beautiful peas that we're eating as mm. my son can just go out and eat them as snacks. But I have had some, uh, a lot of failures or the birds got to enjoy the food and I never got to actually try the tomatoes or the strawberries. So getting your hands dirty and having your own garden, even if I mean, I've never had my own actual garden. I've always lived in places that had a balcony or a small, um, in, in Brooklyn, I had a fire escape. So you don't have to have a large amount of space to actually create, you know, some opportunities for you to grow your own food. And not only is it, I think in some ways, I felt like it was a spiritual experience of really connecting with this part of the earth, but it also will give you so much appreciation for all the food that you have access to. Yeah, I mean, we have a garden this year and I was actually in charge of, you know, putting in the seeds and getting it going. And only a weekend, I'm like, oh my God, there's things coming from the ground. <laughs> You're like, this is magic. I can't it's believe so that thing's growing. And I'm like, I put a seed in, I've been watering, like this is what, ha what happens. But it's just so incredible <laughs> to see it with your own eyes. Yes. And we'll say too, like this year we've had kind of like, you know, it's been caterpillars everywhere, eating everything. And now we have yes. these beetles. So like, yeah, our, our Swiss chard is a little eaten and kale is beautiful <laughs> and we have really good uh, lettuce. And I think that the beans are coming for us and the tomatoes too. But like, sometimes it's just like, what can you do? I'm not going to spray my plants with pesticides, um, but it does grow respect for the farmers and all the incredible work they do because it's not easy. You know, it's an art yeah. form, but it's fun. And just give yourself a break. Like things will eat it. You will kill it. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And also just to touch on um, when you mentioned CSAs, that stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Did I get yeah. that right, Andres? Okay. Yes. Thank yeah. You. And I just found, yeah, no, totally. Because like, I'm someone that I did, I, when we had this conversation, I didn't know what a CSA was. So it was really helpful just to have that explained. And I actually today just picked up a little brochure in my, one of my local small um, like grocery marts about a CSA in my community. So that's awesome. something that would be great for anyone to look up while it's the warm summer months or heading into, you know, next spring, next year, depending on when you're listening to this episode to check out the CSAs in your area, because it's a great opportunity to support local farm initiatives. And it also is wonderful to have local produce, the nutrient value and the freshness is going to be just incredible. So check out local CSAs. Yeah. So that has been an incredible season. And Therese, you know, we've been recording for the last six months or more, I think, right? Yeah. Um, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what you've been working on? Yeah, wow. First of all, I feel like time flies. It was just recently we sat there in the dead of winter talking to Kiani about growing food. And we were all like, can't wait for summer. <laughs> and here it is, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it's been so incredible to do this season with you. But yeah, in the meantime, I've also been doing my masterclass. So I launched my Climate Optimist Masterclass in late May, I think it was. And so, yeah, we're on the 7th of eight um, coming up this week. And it's, uh, it's been such an incredible journey, honestly, like, I put it out there, because I felt this deep, and, you know, just, I just felt so called to do it. But as anytime you do something for the first time, it's hard to understand exactly what kind of value you bring or like what will come from it. And for me, like just having like the students um, are giving me almost as much as I'm giving them. I feel like I'm learning so much from just interaction in the class. And, and yeah, I think also what's coming to me is like, this is so needed, like the whole idea that 
we need to work on ourselves and heal ourselves and work on our emotional intelligence and our resilience and dealing with climate news and awareness and what that looks like. How can we use that, you know, as a tool of empowerment? And how do we continue to show up as activists in, in our everyday lives? And actually, what can that bring to us, not just as we change the world, but also to our families, our careers, our lives. So yeah, it's been incredible. And the masterclass is evergreen, actually. So after I'm done with my eight sessions, you can go and sign up at any time. Everything is being recorded. There's all the homework is up there. So you can sign up and take the class at your own time, your own speed. So if you feel called, make sure to check out. Um, I'll put it in the show notes if you want to find it, but also on my website, theclimateoptimist.com. So yeah, that's mainly what I've been up to, you know, besides running the agency and trying to figure out my life with my husband. It's always an ongoing journey <laughs> during the season with you. I'm, I am working on a book, but it's coming together slowly. So more on that later. Um, what are you been up to, Robin? I know that you're doing things too. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, um, just for our listeners, I am taking the Climate Optimist Masterclass. And when Antares was talking about it, I kind of had that thought of like, is this for me? You know, like I'm already on the journey. You know, will I get a lot out of it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I mean, this is so good for people who are at really any level of the journey because I'm, I'm noticing like there are some people who are a bit newer to sustainability as I have been. Absolutely. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, only a few years in of, of doing these practices and learning and growing. Um, but there are some people who are also seem quite established with what they're doing, who are taking the class and I can see them also getting incredible value from it. And you have really amazing guest speakers as well as the knowledge and information and insight that you are sharing. So just to big up my girl a little bit more, because <laughs> it really is so powerful and it, it's great. Like, so for example, I love how you talk about the, um, how our brain works. One of the classes is on brain chemistry and how we can take advantage of knowing how our brain is wired to be better activists and advocates in our lives. That was really you know, powerful and really helpful. Um, and we also had a great class about talking, like how do we talk to people who are not on board? So when you're having those conversations, so you have just so many, each class I feel like is so powerful. So I'm excited for everybody who's listening to go and check out and, you know, to take the course on their own time because it is super helpful and really can support you for where you are in your journey. Thanks. So <laughs> thank you. I'm so happy Absolutely. to have you in the class. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's I've honestly gotten so much out of it. So um, that's been great. So besides running my household, being a mom, I have a four-year-old and uh, just like, you know, trying to change the world on the DL. Um, I have started a platform called Parents for the Planet, which you might've heard a little bit about if you've listened to some previous episodes, I've mentioned it, but Parents for the Planet is looking to help create a better planet for our children and help create better children for our planet. So it is in the early stages, but my goal is to have resources and ideas and create community where families come together and see how we can make changes within our families and with each other. Because I believe that families hold so much power to be agents of change in the world. Because one, we tend to have some good buying power because we're a family unit, you know, as adults, we're a little bit you know, further along in our lives. So maybe we're in a better position with our jobs or maybe we have more influence in our communities. But also 
we're literally making the next generation of people for the world. So one of the things that I talk about in Parents for the Planet is that it is so important that we model the behavior that we want to see from our kids. And that's true when it comes to kindness and compassion and deep listening and those things as well. But absolutely when it comes to ending systemic racism and dismantling patriarchal white supremacy, I need to educate myself on these systems and how I can help to support changing these systems and creating a more fair and equitable and just world so that not only am I teaching my child these values, you know, I often use books to help explain complex ideas to my four-year-old son, but I'm also actively educating myself and finding ways that I can take action within my community, as well as within how I move through the world with what I buy, with what we eat and what we participate in. So stay tuned for a lot more to come from Parents for the Planet. And you can check out the website at parentsxplanet.com. Um, I'm also working on a book, which I, Anne Therese can tell you, I talk about how it terrifies me working on a book <laughs> because it's not a memoir and it's not, uh, it's not a novel. And so I'm doing a lot of research and I'm doing a lot of learning and uh, I'm hopeful that I'll be able to um, bring that out to you before too long. But it's very exciting um, being in this place in my life where I am learning and growing and just keep moving forward. And Anne Therese, I just have to say one more time, you are such an important person in my life. So thank you for helping me to take this left turn on my path and to create this life because it really is. I'm now living a life that is in line with my values. And as someone who has struggled with mental health and depression and anxiety, I personally feel much more in line with what I want to be doing in my life. And that has brought with it much more peace and um, a lot less in terms of challenges with my mental health. So thank you, my love. Well, thank you. And on that note, I'll end this episode just saying that I had this, you know, desperation for a long time when I was younger to change the world. My mom would often tell me, you know, you can carry the world on your shoulders, but I did feel that way. I'm like, well, no one else cares. So who else is going to do it? Right. It's like, I need to do the work. Like I'm the only one who understands climate change. And I was pretty young feeling this way. But then this one day it kind of shifted with me. And I told myself, well, you can't change the world, but you can change one person's life. What if you just go out and try to change one person's life? And now hearing you say this, I'm like, well, that changed your life. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. and like, when you take it back to, you know, kind of what Cameron was talking about, like you make it personal. And you, you take it a notch back and like say, okay, what can I do? Like, what if I can just go out and inspire one person today? What could that lead to? And I think when we do that is when we truly empower ourselves. And so again, for anyone who's listening, remember that you have incredible power and give yourself a break. And there's a lot of us out there carrying the world on our shoulders. And so we're pretty strong together. And you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone. You know, like we can do this together. And all you have to focus on is changing your own life, showing up for yourself, working on healing and resilience. I can't say that enough. You deserve to feel healthy and happy and abundant. And that work is incredibly important. Listen to Bruce's episode and you'll understand that too. You, you have to really focus on yourself first because you are the world, you are nature. And if we want to change the world, we need to change ourselves first and understand that we deserve to, to feel that happiness. So um, 
yeah, it's been an incredible season. It's so amazing to have had you here, Robin, and uh, I'm sad to let you go, but I hope you're going to come <laughs> back because, you know, yeah. we, we we're going to miss you. I would want to add just one more thing as kind of like one of the final thoughts that's coming is combine imagining the world that you want with actions that pull the world closer. And the other part of that is you have the most influence over the people that you already know. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to go out and change people out there that your family, your friends, your coworkers, your community, that's a place where you have a lot of power. So keep that in mind as you imagine the world that you want and combine that with the actions that pull that world closer. And that ultimately is what being an optimist in action is all about. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for all the love and support throughout the season. And we hope that you enjoy going back and listening to the episodes, maybe for the first time, maybe again, maybe for the third time, who knows in season three to gain knowledge and inspiration from all our incredible guests. We also really appreciate our incredible sponsors. Each one is striving to help create a better world while also offering products and services that are not only valuable, but are in line with our values. I just want to give a little shout out to our sponsors who are Four Days, which is a closed loop clothing brand, Lux Botanics, an ethical and sustainable skincare line, To Be Determined, a coaching firm that helps individuals and organizations to get a payoff that's more than their paycheck, Clear Loop, a carbon offset company expanding access to clean energy across the United States, and Cupid and Psyche, a vegan and cruelty-free beauty brand. Check out the show notes of each episode to connect with our guests. And also you will find discount codes for our sponsors that they've generously provided at the bottom of each episode. This has been season three, Optimist in Action of the Hey Change podcast. We love connecting with our listeners. So please reach out on social media and would ask you to take a moment to share this or your favorite episode with a friend or family member who you think would enjoy the show too. It has been an absolute pleasure being here with you. Thank you for learning, growing, and changing the world with us. Thank you for being an optimist in action. Thank you.